Hello, this is Reverend Brian Souter from Faith in Place. You are listening to WCGO Radio 1590 and 95.9, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. Americans normally think of insects as something only animals eat. Our bearded dragon at Plum Creek Nature Center sure does love them. While bugs may not be fine dining, they are nutritious, plentiful, and delicious. Bugs are a great source of protein and use far less resources to raise than livestock. A vast majority of the world's population eats bugs, and here's your chance to give them a try. Mealworms and crickets will be on the menu every Saturday and Sunday at noon through November 30th. So come out to Plum Creek Nature Center and take a bite. And see if you can stomach it. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams, perfect air. And here they are Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. Good planets are. In the main Welcome to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And yes, I have a new toy. Uh-oh. Well, well, it's not the toy. It's it's what we, we put in. A new guest in the toy? A new guest in the toy. You're despicable. Ah, yes. I was, uh, I've got another one here. Where did, where, I, had, I had another one here and I can't. Oh, yeah. Uh-oh. It's right here. Thanks for the sour persimmons, cousin. All right. So now we got them all. That's a fruit tree, right? Uh, Exactly. And we have another sound effect here. (laughs) One more time. (laughs) And that is a red-winged blackbird, I assume, because it looks like a red-winged blackbird. Yeah. Yeah. And that is Christine Nye, who... Has her red winged blackbird with not not a live one. My spirit animal. <laughs> it's a squeeze toy, folks. Uh, oh, and I where did oh and I've got mine here too. It's not a red winged blackbird. Oh, it, it is in, instead of a tree frog. It's a tree frog. It's a, it's a wooden frog made out of a tree. I know a tree. <laughs> <laughs> the tree had to go for to, to do this frog. Hey, folks, uh, I can't tell you how excited I am because we have a room full of people here in the studio, uh, and we're talking, wow, we're talking gardens, we're talking sustainability, we're talking permaculture, we're talking 
uh, birds, e- birds, talking ecosystems. Probably talking a little bit about fish. And I want to start with the person uh, who has the red-winged blackbird, uh, and that is Christine Nye, who up to, what, a couple of weeks ago was yeah. the hortica. <laughs> you're, are, are you, are a couple you, of weeks ago. Are you sad? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, was the uh, <laughs> horticulture manager at the Shed Aquarium in Chicago. Uh, if you've ever been to Chicago, it's right on the lake. And that's important because she created a garden right on the lake, right outside the windows to the big tank there in the Shed Aquarium. What tank is that? Oh, that big tank. Okay, the big tank. <laughs> That's the oceanarium with uh, the marine mammals. And it showing. looks out on Lake Michigan, and it used to just look out on lawn and blue of Lake Michigan. And then Christine got a hold of that land, and she put in a migratory bird garden. And it now attracts thousands and thousands of birds because that's a flyway mm-hmm. on Lake Michigan right along the shore. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. But in general, well, not in general, but also we're here to promote the Impact Conference, mm-hmm. um, Sustainable Landscapes, uh, which is happening in Chicago on the 22nd of October. So we want folks to get excited about that. So I have Anna Maria Leon. Uh, <laughs> which is how you pronounce it, right? Uh, she's a, a permaculturist, and we have Ken Williams, who's a weed assassin. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, and we have Pam Carlson, uh, who's, uh, how would you describe yourself, Pam? A bird? Bird enthusiast. Bird enthusiast, and also uh, uh, an artist. Artist and a bird a, gardener. Bird gardener. And designer, too? Designer, too, yes. And Christine, who worked for 20-plus years at the Shed Aquarium, putting together 13 different gardens uh, around. So when you come to visit, you look around the outside because there's a lot going on on the outside of the Shed Aquarium. Uh, And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about impact. We're going to talk about what's a permaculture garden. Well, yeah, we'll maybe even talk about Chicago Excellence and Gardening Awards because we got the big sign. Hold that up for the camera there. Uh, and it's uh, a great no, event. To this over one. here. 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 Camera's over there. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> this is radio. Most most folks don't need cameras. Uh, this is going to be really fun today, so uh, I hope you all stick around. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're talking all kinds of gardening today. So dance. The 12th Annual McHenry County College Green Living Expo returns on Saturday, November 2nd, and it's packed with cool, sustainable exhibits and learning experiences. The Clean Transportation Exhibit features luxury electric vehicles. There are workshops on regenerative agriculture, composting, and recycling. Visit with area farms, CSAs, and other organizations to learn more about local agriculture. There are more than 100 area businesses and organizations offering green exhibits. Taste local food, go on the Sustainable Artist Walk, and tour the beautiful new MCC greenhouse and high tunnels. The Green Living Expo is free and open to the public. Peggy and I will be there. Come and join us. McHenry County College, Saturday, November 2nd, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Go to mchenry.edu slash greenexpo or contact the MCC Office of Sustainability at 815-479-7765. 
If you love to landscape with trees and you haven't been to Rich's Foxwillow Pines in Woodstock, you've missed out on their collection of unique conifers and rare deciduous trees. Unfortunately, after 31 years in business, they're closing their doors at the end of 2019. So now is the time to take advantage of 40% off for container trees and 30% off in-ground trees. There's still a good supply of pines, spruces, firs, hemlocks, junipers, yews, and the deciduous larches, bald cypresses, and dawn redwoods. Many of the cultivars are dwarf in form or have unusual shapes, such as weeping, mounding, columnar, or angular. Like I said, these are not your grandfather's conifers. If you've been to the Shedd Aquarium, the Lincoln Park Conservatory, or the Chicago Botanic Garden, you've seen some of these fantastic trees. Go to Rich's Foxwillow Pines for more information. Follow them on Facebook and sign up for the e-newsletter. The best gardening song ever. That's why I play it all the time. Uh, we got to get that line. You guys need to be coordinating that line on the, on that side. Peggy, of, you're out of step. That's right. The story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, a boatload of folks in the studio today, but we're going to start. Let's give a, a, a shout-out really quick to the conference and what's going to happen, and then I want to talk to Christine about her work. Uh, but as I mentioned uh, in the first segment, uh, the Impact Conference uh, is the third year in Chicago. And this came out of a group that Christine and I were part of, oh my goodness, uh, now 18 years and 17 years ago that we started, uh, called the Midwest Ecological Landscape Alliance. Um, and we thought at the time we were riding the crest of the wave. We were. Um, uh, that landscapers needed to... What's a, what, what would be a good way to put it? Stop putting ewes and lawns in uh, in yards? Really, just stop that nonsense and boxwoods, please? Mm-hmm. Can we move on from boxwoods and ewes and lawns? Boring. Uh, and chemicals. And we said, you know, landscapers can do better. Yeah. And Grow things that have function. Exactly. Things that have function. What other, a concept. Other than hiding your uh, the the base of your home, the concrete base of your home so uh christine was one of the folks that way at the beginning and we got together and the best thing about the group was when we had board meetings we would have wine yes uh, uh, every <laughs> month we had a symposium <laughs> which i then learned that's the meaning of having a meeting with wine it's a symposium. oh is it really oh, okay. it is really yeah the greeks developed that I didn't know that. Uh-huh. Okay. See, now you learned it, too. Uh, and once a year... Ellie's tweeting that out right now. <laughs> and and uh, once a year, we had a conference where, you know, we thought, if we're not going to do anything, we need to educate people about mm-hmm. this and bring in the experts and say, what is it we're doing wrong? And how can we do this better? Um, and now here we are 17 years down the road, and I think some things are better, but things some things aren't. They just uh, there's a lot of the same old same old around. You still see the ewes and the boxwoods and the lawns. And actually, in the second hour of the show, we're going to be talking about and the guy's going to be here in the studio. 
A guy in Chicago just got fined $675 for growing native plants in his front yard by the city of Chicago. I thought that nonsense was done in 2012, in 2013. The the coffers must be empty. Uh, Well, yeah, no, the the coffers must be filled. If they think they're going to do it on the backs of of gardeners, they've got another thing coming. That's not going to happen. But I don't want to get into that right now because that's second hour. So there's something to look forward to, to in the second hour. Uh, but right here, uh, so we we started this organization, and we did okay for a while. <laughs> and then it kind of, you know, organizations, 501c3s, sometimes run out of steam. But the good news is the Illinois Landscape Contractors Association said, you know what, we need to engage in these sorts of practices. And they said, let's take <laughs> the remnants, let's sweep the remnants, the remnants into a dustbin and pile it into ILCA. And so now, for the third year, ILCA has been presenting the uh, Impact Conference, and a lot of the folks from the old MILA, Midwest Ecological Landscape Alliance, uh, are on that committee. I was for a couple of years, and then I just said, ah, I, 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 I don't need any more free meetings to attend. Um, they, I know. They had chocolate. They have chocolate. That's true. They do. do. They have wine. No, no, they don't have wine. They do not no. have so, wine. So they're, why go? They're very <laughs> serious. Chocolate, Peggy. Well, part of the problem is the meetings are 930 oh. in the morning. So yeah. uh, Okay, no wine then. Yeah. Mimosas, perhaps. Uh, but I'm so glad that they do this because now they get to talk about things like they this year. Oh, and I have the I don't have the name of the conference. Who's got the name of the conference at their fingertips? It's about design, building, I know. and maintaining. Designing Resilient Landscapes, Redefining the Design, Slash, Build, Slash, Maintain Paradigm. There you go. How sexy is that? Uh. <laughs> yeah. We can barely contain ourselves. <laughs> so the folks in the room uh, either uh, were involved in putting it together or, or are presenting at it, um, such as uh, Ken and mm-hmm. Anna Maria. And Pam. And I was going to get to her. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just get so used uh, to you, interrupting you. I can't stop. Which Somebody would you, has would to. You, would you like to come over here, Christine? And uh, wait, I'm, I'm sure you must have something in that box for her. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, oh yeah, I can just throw this. No. <laughs> You're despicable. All right. So we will get to that in a second. Uh, we'll talk about the different seminars that you're going to be presenting. Let's talk a little bit about the Shed Aquarium. Well, I've got. Christine in the room, and this is kind of a tribute to you and the work you've done there now that you're stepping away from it. Um, I read an article. You got interviewed a lot this year. Uh, probably uh, that was good because you got to duck out of work a lot, I would think. <laughs> I was good at that. Yeah, I'll bet you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's talk. Uh, uh, one of the articles uh, uh, called the work you did, especially the Migratory Bird Garden Visionary. Visionary. Um, isn't that nice? It is nice, but it's kind of sad, too. Why? Because it shouldn't be visionary. It should be normal. <laughs> you mean instead of lawns and yews and, and boxwoods along the lake and rocks, that there should be plants and, and flowers for birds who what are migrating? What a concept. Yeah. Well, we do have other places along the lake that have that. Um you know, Montrose, Montrose Beach, Beach. Is, is Rainbow Beach. Uh, right. All kinds of different places. But they are isolated. Yes, Ken. Northerly Island. Northerly Island. Oh, true. And that's an interesting point, Northerly Island, because I started doing what I did at the shed 
20 years ago. And I had a lot of pushback at the time. What kind of pushback? Uh, you know, They wanted lawn? No, but I think there was a more traditional idea about what the landscape should look like. Mm-hmm. And I just kept integrating native plants and food into the landscapes I was building because I wanted people to be exposed to it and see it in a new way instead of thinking, oh, vegetables always have to be in the backyard. You can make some beautiful gardens with vegetables. Well, And if you combine vegetables and ornamental, you get more food because mm-hmm. you get better pollination. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> and I wanted people to see that, and I wanted kids to see it, especially. I started my first vegetable gardens where all the kids entered the building, our, our groups, so that they would look and maybe ask questions. And what's happened over the years is that, well, for a while, people from the Field Museum would sneak over and help themselves to have <laughs> for, like for lunch? Snacks. sort of the for first lunch? the first CSA on northern oh, okay. on, so on the museum gotta, campus for, for, for the folks who, have, who don't know what what it's like down there there's the museum campus and there's the shed aquarium there's the field museum of natural history there's the Adler planetarium all within walking distance there mm-hmm. so the field museum folks came over and yeah and they liked my vegetable garden so much uh-huh. that they finally built their own vegetable garden on the west side of the building and then people started coming over and using our gardens to do research like bee data collection and butterfly monitoring. And lo and behold, now they have their own natural gardens. And we have Northerly Island, which used to be an the, airport. An airport. Mm-hmm. And which, now, was, which was bulldozed by yeah, Richie the Deuce. That was a great morning. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly it's... Well, now it's, there's a, it's a concert venue. I guess they're taking down, or have they taken down the... They're uh, taking down Hamilton, I think, this month, at yeah. the end of this month. That sounds weird when you just say that, taking down <laughs> Hamilton. Taking down Hamilton. It's yeah. a big old box they put up there to do a, uh, an exhibit mm-hmm. uh, when, when really Northerly Island should be a big old open space. Well, it should, and since they've put up that tent, and I don't want to say that this is why we don't see coyotes anymore, <laughs> but we did have coyotes that helped us with our... Mole and vole and Rabbit. other critter populations. Mm-hmm. And um, this year, we didn't see any evidence of them whatsoever. So I think the construction of that through the winter mm-hmm. in their breeding area and I think pushed them out a little you bit. Bring, you bring up a really good point. It's, again, as we're putting in lawns and ewes and boxwoods, we decide that uh, we don't need predators. Actually, we don't want predators. We want to be the only predator Mm -hmm. out there. And so we find ways to trap and kill and move them out. And it can actually harm gardens and ecosystems. Well, I mean, I've had people ask me about putting in a pollinator garden, but they only want the nice insects to come. Right? Right? (laughs) You get it. Absolutely. I don't want those bees and wasps. I say, well, you know, you put it out there, they will come. And they will keep everything in balance. Absolutely. Those bees and wasps are going to parasitize other things that come and threaten your garden. So get over it. I worked outside for 25 years with all these insects, and I haven't been stung once. Same here in my garden. Yeah. I have never been stung. Pam, yeah, tell us a little bit about this, because you have a, a beautiful garden on the south side. 
Uh, you sent me a photo of a hummingbird, which you took just the other day, right? Absolutely, yeah. Speak, we, speak I, right into it. Uh, we get hummingbirds in our garden all through the month of October, and mm-hmm. the latest sighting um, we had was uh, November 11th. Wow. Yeah, and it was a ruby throw because I sent in the photos to um, Cornell Lab. Um, so, and yeah. they said, you photoshopped this, right? <laughs> <laughs> I take all my own photos, so yeah. And my well, November eleventh is a little late. It's late. It's late. Yeah. So, but I just want to say that um, it, it, if you have a balanced ecosystem, everything takes care of itself. And I get questions a lot about: Do I have tons of insects that bother us when we're sitting out there? And the answer is yes. There's lots of insects, but no, they don't bother us because you you get the insects that eat other insects. You get mm-hmm. tons of birds that eat insects. Insects are really, really, really important. Yeah, we and, we sit on our stoop at night at home. We have a prairie in the front of our house at home, a prairie garden. They don't give us a ticket in McHenry. Ow, ow. <laughs> um, and we watch how all the lightning bugs in the neighborhood are in our garden mm-hmm. and not down the street. Yeah. Well, all right, that's an interesting question too. We know that uh, uh, lightning bugs love uh, the detrius. That you leave in your garden, the leaves and everything, and they overwinter there. And so if you want more lightning bugs, that's one way to keep them. Although I, I, we talked about it on the show a couple of weeks ago about, uh, you know, in particular, if you do it in your yard, does that mean you have more lightning bugs? Well, you yes. think you say yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll take that as uh, They might, might be sourced more in your yard, too, even if they're spreading out in the neighborhood. Yeah. They're overwintering in your yard. But uh, the, getting back to the insects... Uh, if you want birds, you're going to have to have insects. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, so y- you don't. If folks are folks are funny because they think they can pick and choose which insects are going to show up if you plant natives in your yard or any any flower or any plant. Well, human beings think they can redesign the environment to suit them, and we can see how well that's worked out. And that's why there is such a thing as a conference called Impact is to maybe. Yes pounded into a few landscapers' heads that maybe got to relax a little bit and and allow this to happen. And maybe city inspectors as well, maybe get them to relax a little bit. Um, but bees are really important uh, to not only for birds, but pollinating other plants. If So if you want more of those flowers, you got to have more of the bees and the wasps. And it's just, just the way it goes, folks. You can't have the nice mm-hmm. insects, whatever that means. They're it, all they're all nice. Yes, they are. Uh, well, yellow jackets, but you know. <laughs> well, yeah, there are yellow jackets. And, yeah. and, and yellow jackets we won't have aren't to respect them. yellow jackets. Right, they're not coming after your flowers anyway. They spend most of the season as predators in your garden, killing pests. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the year, after they're done breeding and their eggs are in the ground waiting for next year, they get this sweet tooth and they become aggressive and mm-hmm. they're different this time of year mm-hmm. and, I know. oh well I, I walked out with about six slices of apples two days ago <laughs> and in seconds i had a bald-faced hornet and a yellow jacket circling me uh-huh. so what did i do you brought them the lunch <laughs> i went i left them one and i went back in the house there you go uh and th- we're losing insects too we know that so you should do anything you can to bring them to your yard. So, uh, by the way, that was uh, Ken Williams uh, talking there, uh, adding in. And uh, in the studio, we have he, Ken Williams and Anna Maria Leon and uh, Christine Nye and Pam Carlson. And uh, we're all here to play Password. 
we're we're going to take a break in just a couple of minutes uh, and then uh, move on to things like um, permaculture because that all plays into this as well. Um, a couple of thoughts on your leaving the garden now. Um, I assume it's in good hands. What what do you expect to have happen with uh, the gardens you've put in there? Well, I don't really know, but they are looking for a new candidate, and I expect that they'll take the gardens and take it to the next level. It's a great educational tool. It's a great eco space. You could do mm-hmm. a lot of um, data collection in that space. We did for years. What, what kind of data collection? Well, um, like I said, the monarch monitoring, um, other butterflies, Doug Terran's butterfly program, we ran it through there as well. But we had people from the Field Museum doing surveying this year, um, counting how many eggs were on plants and how many looked like they turned into butterflies and looking for caterpillars. And, and then, I've had, then I had someone else come down and put out traps to collect native bees to see what species were hanging out in our gardens and in what number. And I must also add, the garden is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And it doesn't matter what time of year you can. I, I, I don't know if you saw the photo I put on my blog, but that was uh, late. You have to go online. Oh, that's a terrible <laughs> picture of me, I, though. I love oh. the picture of you because it says everything about you, Christine. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Uh, 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 and it's a beautiful picture. It's a late season garden picture. It was a foggy day. And a foggy day. And the garden backdrop. still looks gorgeous. So, all right. So, Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. More when we return. City Grange, Chicago's newest and most unique garden center, wants to remove all barriers to your gardening success. How? By providing organic heirloom plants for your kitchen garden, pollinator-friendly natives and annuals, container planting to go. They deliver the plants, you put them in. Who does that? Classes for adults and kids, special events, and more. They even have complimentary valet parking on weekends. 5500 Northwestern Avenue at Catalpa. CityGrange.com. Learn. Shop. Blossom. Do you know that Chicagoans are getting healthier all the time? This is Peggy, and I know this is true because for eight years I've been publishing Natural Awakenings, Chicago's greenest and healthiest magazine. And if you want your message to reach this growing market, you need to get your business in front of our readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us that our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and they're ready to take action. That's more than 80,000 people in Chicago who will respond to your message. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, doctors, dentists, nutritionists, health coaches, yoga, even home improvement and landscape experts. Natural Awakenings is a free monthly magazine available in more than 1,100 locations throughout Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. Call me today to expand your market and grow your business. 847-858-3697. That's 847-858-3697. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Skies of blue and fields of green, water full of atrazine, hundred acres to explore, acres full of alachlor. Hey, hey, ho, ho, mom and dad, how could they know? Ho, ho, hey, hey, herbicides done made me gay oh no oh welcome back to the mike novak show (laughs) who is that that's susan werner uh and she's been on the show and she's a a wonderful artist and does some 
very, very interesting songs, and I need to have her back next time uh, she's in town. A uh, couple of things I wanted to get to. One that I forgot at the very top of the show when I played that bit at the very top of the show about eating bugs. Speaking of insects, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're very nutritious. And once again, the Forest Preserve District of Will County has come through. They are doing the most interesting videos these days. They've done the Don't Be a Jerk videos. I don't know if you've seen any of those about going out to the forest preserves. A series of four of them. Don't be a jerk. It's about how to behave yourself in a forest preserve, whether you're hiking or taking your dog or boating or what's the other one? I forget. There's a, there's a four in the series. Uh, now they've come up with this uh, bug thing, which they're going to do until the end of, oh, I just lost that, uh, the end of November. And you can go to reconnectwithnature.org and go to their events, news and events, uh, Reconnect With Nature, uh, and it's very, very cool. Uh, I love the stuff they're doing, and uh, I appreciate it. The other thing I wanted to talk about was Rich's Fox Willow Pines, which was a commercial mm-hmm. we ran in the other break, and it said 30 to 40% off. They're now at 50% off. Wow. So you can go down there, and you said, Pam, you were going to be dropping by. Yeah, going tomorrow. Good for you. No, uh, nothing, yeah. nothing like their plant selection yeah. it's unbelievable yeah. so 50 percent off through the end of october and that's it uh Final and days. speaking of got a minute for your trees now some folks like the ones at bartlett tree experts and the chicago region trees initiative refer to this month as oaktober oak awareness month there are about 450 species of oak globally with centers of species diversity in mexico and eastern asia I did not know that. Hmm. Um, I know we have a lot in uh, North America as well. Well, Mexico is in North America, but but in the United States and Canada as well. Oaks are economically, ecologically, and culturally important trees throughout the regions they inhabit. Unfortunately, at least 20% of oak species are threatened with extinction because oaks are exceptional plant species that cannot be seed banked. And I did not know that either. Living collections are a critical tool for species conservation, but no single arboretum can protect all of the world's oak species in living collections of high conservation value. Rather, a network of coordinated institutions is needed. To achieve this goal, the Morton Arboretum, in partnership with the Botanic Gardens Conservation International, is establishing the Global Conservation Consortium for Oak. To find out more... Join the International Oak Society, but if your own oaks need attention, give Bartlett Tree Experts a call because every oak needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. And, of course, uh, they are a sponsor of the plant clinic at the Morton Arboretum as well, which is why we bring up things from the Morton Arboretum. Uh, back to our conversation, I want to get a little bit into permaculture, and, and I have a question for Anna Maria Leon and Ken Williams. Uh, what's the name of your uh, presentation? A New Vision for <laughs> Residential Permascaping. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I assumed well, you knew. <laughs> yeah, I, but, you know, okay. knowing is one thing, remembering. <laughs> uh, and the question I have... And the, is, the subtitle is Building Neighborhood Ecosystems. Okay, which I think is a great idea. Uh, and you talk about permaculture and, and Anna Maria. 
Um, tell us a little bit about your background here, uh, because you're a permaculturist and you are involved in a couple of operations in the city. Yes. Um, so I'm a permaculture designer and teacher. I'm also co-founder of Permaculture Chicago Teaching Institute located in North Lawndale. Um, prior to that, I, work, I worked with Christy Weber, uh, Christy Weber Landscapes. And, you know, shout out to Christy. She's just an amazing human being. Uh, I think without her championing the, the style of gardening that I was trying to introduce, I wouldn't have even been here. I wouldn't be here because it, it's, you know, permaculture is kind of considered obscure or anecdotal, not science-based. Um, that's kind of, or, or hippie-ish. And it gets taken apart into its, its parts, you know, like agroforestry or silvopasturing. So instead of looking at it as an entire kind of study and application, um, but it means permanent agriculture, Okay. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah. Permaculture, that's where we get it from. And Ken, uh, you're known as the weed assassin in a former life. Are you still a weed assassin? Oh, I kill him every time I get, every chance I get. <laughs> and you've done a lot of the uh, the maintenance work uh, at the Shedd Aquarium. Yeah, in the Migratory Bird Garden, uh, my crew, um, until recently I worked for Ringers Landscaping, and I had a crew from there that would go down once every other week or so. Um, we've also been collaborating with uh, Monica Buckley, Red Stem mm-hmm. Landscaping, right. yes. this year, getting her people trained, which turns out her people were already trained. Monica runs a great operation. All right. You're going to oh, need okay. Seemed loud to me. Um, uh, no, he can back it off now if you get in a little closer. There you go. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so what what we're looking at, you know, I, I, I presented to Impact two years ago about mm-hmm. getting more landscapers involved in this kind of maintenance and the thing is that there's only so much landscapers can do you know to to have a a contractor send somebody to your yard is going to cost you fifty dollars an hour for one guy and i can't afford that if i had to spend fifty dollars an hour my place would be lawn and i don't want that so we need a different, you know, that's great for a lot of people who can afford the money. The lands- mm-hmm. What the landscapers can do is invaluable, but that's not going to suit everybody. So we need to have a different model. And how I got connected with Anna Maria on this is through her community gardening um, efforts, which this idea came to me last year at the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. Mm. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> And I'm um, just going to wave the sign. Which, yeah. are, which are being awarded next be- be- Saturday. Because the stories that the community gardeners tell are so compelling about how community gardens build communities. And I see that as a more valuable and more uh, viable option for how we can make this transition to what Doug Tallamy calls the, the uh, homegrown national park, converting at least 50% of the residential turf space in America to habitat, different kinds of habitat. It doesn't all have to be for bees and pollinators. It can be for a lot of different things. And since Anna Maria is involved in community gardenings, you know, then I, it, it, and I've started talking to her, I've realized that we need to have and to incorporate, you know, permaculture concepts and growing food for people into these gardens that we're growing for other kinds of habitat because we're all part of this ecosystem and so, our neighborhoods need to be ecosystems. So does permaculture always involve food? 
you know, so permaculture, we try to have gardens that are fully functioning at every level, right? So, so that it doesn't only sustain people, but insects and plant, other animals, you know. So we're just not, though, it's not just for us, like what you were just talking about. So human that, food human, versus yeah. food, human food for all species. Everything. It yeah. really incorporates everything. You know, Roy, Roy Diblick is my husband, right? Mm-hmm. And we always have these conversations. Like, what's the next thing after the perennial movement, the new perennial movement? What's the next thing after that? Like, Pete's Gardenscapes. And um, it's like, we can incorporate beauty as well as food. And he always says, you have to eat with your stomach first, with your eyes first, before you can eat with your stomach. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. And that's one of the issues that we're having with community gardens. And I need to bring up, I'm glad you mentioned Roy. I'd be remiss if I didn't say he had a huge uh, part in the gardens at the Shedd Aquarium, especially the migratory bird garden, right? Yes. Um, And a lot of his ideas and plants Mm -hmm. were put into that garden and continue to be part of it to this day. So a shout out and a ding. And and we had him on the, and and a blackbird. (laughs) That's for you, I think that's our new sound. And and we had Roy on the show, what, about six weeks ago? We had him on with Pete Udolph, and Pete was uh, on the Skype uh, from uh, the Netherlands. And I can't tell you how many people watched that show. They were just really fascinated because those two guys, when you get them, you just wind them up and turn them loose. And then it's, <laughs> yeah, we went out for breakfast. It's know? really easy radio. It's the best radio ever. So, all right, my question to you two, Ken and Anna Maria, is what's the difference between permaculture, sustainable gardening, um, ecological gardening. I mean, we used to call it, uh, uh, you know, when we started Mila, there were different words. It's now, it, it seems to have evolved in, into different things. Now there's regenerative agriculture mm-hmm. on top. So are and these, you, are these all, food, food forest are these too. all words that mean the same thing? I think to me, they all mean the same thing because, um, so it's just the, the the flavor of the month kind of thing. I mean, I'm not d- diminishing that kind of work because I think it's really important. But uh, do we just come up with new stuff every few years to keep people engaged? Well, I think that there's different levels of awareness. You know, when Hold you have over. when you have regenerative agriculture, which is the buzzword now in food forests, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it's it's less work over time. Sustainability is you're just sustaining it, so the inputs and the outputs yeah. are are the same. You know, it's like balance, but in regeneration, it does it on its own after a while. And all we're doing is stewarding. So it's kind of just different levels. And permaculture, though, is more of a methodology coming from One Straw Revolution and and some of the other early early adopters. uh, Yeah, it's it's like it was, it's given to Bill Mollison and David Mm -hmm. Holmgren in the 1970s from Australia. But what they just did was they... They made a whole system and they codified all of the agriculture, best agriculture practices from all over the world. And then they put it through bioregions. So like we're in a temperate climate, but we go down to a tropical climate and apply the same types of techniques, which is what we're seeing in the Amazon. And that's just why there's devastation. We don't understand our bioregion. That's what permaculture has given. And it's all from the indigenous people's Mm-hmm. Ancient knowledge, and I would argue, which we all have, uh, we don't understand, and we've already transformed our regions so much that we hardly recognize them, especially in the United States. All right, uh, Christine Nyken, Williams, Anna Maria, Leon, Pam Carlson. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. 
soil and plant health don't stop at harvest. Now is the critical time to set up for next season, and the products to use are from Tinyo Biologicals. Whether you're working 500 square feet in your backyard or a 1,000-acre farm, the soil needs are the same. Feed those plants with spectrum and Nutri-Need to get your soil ready for spring. The soil can make compost from field debris, so use Biodigester as well. Tinyo products from Blazing Star. Go to blazing-star.com. This is Mike Novak, and I just proved that the climate crisis is real. Meteorologist Rick DeMaio gets the goods from Fred Braun from the village of Niles, Illinois. Do you find yourself playing differently before you begin the winter season now? Definitely. We start earlier. We've moved everything up about a month. We used to do that in November, early November. Now we're doing it in October. When city crews are changing their schedules, you know it's real. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, Sundays 9 to 11 on 1590 and 95.9. Are you looking for a new ride? Ready to leave gas stations in the dust and speed away down the highway? Zero to 60 in under three seconds? Well, here's your chance. The Illinois Solar Energy Association is raffling off a 2019 Tesla Model X, the award-winning all-electric SUV. But you need to get your tickets soon because only 2,500 will be sold. So how do you win? Go to store.illinoisolar.org. That's store.illinoisolar.org. Buy one raffle ticket for $100 or the four-pack for $300. All raffle proceeds will fully benefit the Illinois Solar Energy Association, a nonprofit working to advance solar energy development throughout the state of Illinois. The winner will be drawn at the ISEA member meeting on December 5, 2019. Anyone in the continental U.S. is eligible to win, and you don't even need to be present at the drawing to claim your prize. So get your tickets, the rules, and all the other small print details at IllinoisSolar.org today. Is that all there is? Is that all there is? Yep. If that's all there is, my friends. Then let's keep digging. Let's keep dancing. Let's break out the booze. And this, of course, is for you, Christine. Thank you. So, Where's my memoirs? Uh, is, is, is that going to be the title of your memoir? <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that all there is or have, break out the booze? I have a lot of ideas. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki. A ton of guests in the studio today. We're talking permaculture and sustainability and all the things that you do and, and birds. Now well, the that's conference. See, She's, you just can't stop directing me, can you, Christine? You can't tell me. Can I? She doesn't know that on my agenda, I'm, I'm next going over to Pam Carlson. It's not that she <laughs> does that just for you, I'm just leading into it. You just can't. You resist, can you? So, Here, Pam. So, you take the, she's people, giving you the bird. There are people in the garden, and she says, pull that, dig that, chop that, right? I'm going to go have another drink. I'm <laughs> Uh, Pam, so now you're you're going into a room full of landscapers, and you're going to say, "Hey, we need to get more birds uh, on those yews and boxwoods and lawn <laughs> that you're bringing into the." Gu- how how do you talk to these people? Well, I through pictures that really helps a lot. Um, I take tons and tons of photographs of the backyard bird habitat that I created, and that's proof in the pudding right there. Um, it's remarkable. What you can draw in and what you, what kind of birds you can help sustain if you 
add natives and get out the, you know, like boxwoods are so sterile for the environment. You know, they really mm-hmm. offer nothing for the birds. Uh, maybe a little shelter, but there's lots of other options. Not the out way there. we prune them, though. <laughs> right. And no, it's round true. Balls. I mean, I've got, I've got, <laughs> I got some boxwoods mm-hmm. in my yard from when we were doing the outdoor mayor's. Uh, 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 Flower and Garden oh, Show back oh, in like yeah, 2005, yeah. and it rained the whole week, and in everything tent, yeah. and everything turned uh-huh. to mush. Um, but some of those boxwoods, do you remember the, the the variety we had there, Christine? I don't remember because Chicago green. I don't know. I, the point is, I let them go in my yard, and now one of them's six feet tall and outspreading, and it's in a corner, and it's fine. I, I mean, for now, I'm going to keep it there. The other one. Uh, did the same thing, six feet tall, but it was by the sidewalk. And I said, you're gone. And I, and I ripped that sucker out because I had no idea they were going to get that large. But if you let leave boxwoods to their own devices, they're actually kind of beautiful plants. Um, well, but, that's what they use for a lot of the um, hedges in England, all mm-hmm. those giant hedges in those old gardens. Yeah, and they're more suited to to England, to England. than, they are, than yeah. they are here. Send them back. So, you, so Pam, <laughs> you're suited to China. Uh, yeah, is, is that where the boxwood is from? Do we know? Let's do a quick search. Well, England, Peggy, this is what you're you're good <laughs> I'm at. I'm not saying they're from England. I'm saying they use them in England. Yeah, right. Uh, but Pam, so pictures and then photographs, and uh, I talk about um, the migratory bird path that we're on. So there's a big opportunity out there for homeowners to bring in all these different types of birds yeah, if they it, have the it, right. Plants. But there's a lot of people in the country who are not on migratory bird routes. Correct, but they can help sustain the bird populations that are within their region. So mm. we've got residential birds that stick around. In Chicago, there's 50-ish that stick around year-round, mm-hmm. and they need all the help we can give them as well because just generally bird populations are dropping, mm-hmm. insect populations are dropping. Um, so I feel that um, the st- I've been doing this for 20, 20 plus years now, slowly converting my backyard into a bird habitat. And the more I did, the more diversity that came in. And I feel that um, in my backyard as an example and my presentation is an example of how it is approachable for the regular homeowner to do the same thing. You don't have to do your backyard all in one big chunk, which can be really expensive and people can't, some people can't afford that. You can do it piece by piece by piece. And um, I feel that the uh, landscape industry really needs to embrace um, getting, getting rid of all these very sterile environments that don't support. Yeah, but they're neat. That's what's great about them. They're neat. You can, uh, in my opinion, you can use natives or I also do use cultivars of natives because I have a small Chicago backyard and there's a place sometimes for them to get the diversity to to bring in all the different species and support the different species. Uh, There's a way you can make that kind of a garden neat. It doesn't have to be super crazy wild. You can can implement practices and plants um, to make it look tidy and artistic and Mm – yeah. Well, and, and let's so let's open this to everybody uh, on this subject because I think that's one of the problems we have. If you're going to be in a, in a tune with nature uh, or attuned to nature, you got to have some messiness. There's got to be a little bit of chaos in the garden, which and, is good. And we're t- 
I think the average gardener is terrified of chaos. The average homeowner is terrified of chaos. So that's why that's that lawn mode to... or, or terrified of someone calling them about chaos. Even beyond that, because in a lot of places, as, as Christine said, in McHenry County, she's not going to get a ticket mm-hmm. for growing that stuff. In a lot of places in the country, you're not going to get a ticket. So how do we convince people that this is actually a good thing for nature? If we integrate design with our natives, as Pam has done, then we don't get a, place, a space that makes all the bureaucrats nervous. I think also education is a big deal. You know, it's a, it's a huge part of what we're trying to do here. Um, I think the average person doesn't really think about the implication of how they can um, contribute to what we're talking about here. Birds, insects, they're just trying to swat it away. So, for example, you know, I, I live at the corner where they have a um, crossing guard. And she, she just so happens that that corner is where we have one of our community gardens, which is one of the wilder on the wilder side. It's a lot of pollinators go there. And she said to me, can you just like stop planting so many flowers? There's bees are bothering me. So I tried to explain to her, you know, in the winter's coming when you and I have to go to get food, we just go to the grocery store, but they don't, you know, and then I tried to explain it to her. She's like, well, they're still frustrating and I don't like them. And I understand. I mean, she's wearing a, a neon yellow, you know, best, and she's holding a red, you know, holding a red stop sign. Nice. And she's constantly trying to kill them and swat them away. But it's even that type of type of conversations to have with people like mm-hmm. we can move. But it's not Trees just people. OK, got to stop you right there because we only yeah. got two minutes left. Mm-hmm. But not just people, landscapers. You yes, know, how yes. do landscapers get across to their clients that this is actually a good thing if they don't believe it themselves? This is why I had to leave my position as edible landscapes director because I could see that it wasn't it wasn't compatible. That same education has to go compatible to the with what to neat and tidy and mow and blow. Okay, that's like so the in, in 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 a company that does this, a garden center in a garden center and most landscaping co- companies that are not oriented towards you know sustainability regeneration. It 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 does it's not compatible. And it's how, just not. And how many acres did you have at the garden at the shed there? Uh, we had four. Okay. So even with four <laughs> acres, you had blowback. From... Even with four acres, we had so many blackbirds, so many red-winged blackbirds at the end of 20 years of me creating hab- habitat mm-hmm. that I had to have sessions this year for the frontline staff and the rest of the people in the building so that we could talk about why there are so many of these birds Hitting people in the back of the head <laughs> because they're good parents. Um, and it worked. People changed their behavior. If I've done one thing right my entire tenure there, I think it was that. All right. So if folks are interested in this, if not just if you're a landscaper, it is uh, the Impact Conference uh, Resilient Landscapes, and it is on October 22nd, 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 a.m. Go to my website for information. Everybody in the studio, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Captain's Log, Stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. 
That is incorrect, Mr. Wharf. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Sound red alert. Shields up. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe? Author of my favorite children's stories. Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. Hmm, it seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. 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 Yes, Mr. Watt. Yes, Captain. AroundTheBlockPress.com. How many times can I say it? Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Boy, that was fun in the first hour uh, yeah. with all those great people. And and you found some information about boxwoods. Yeah, that, that boxwoods actually are native to Western Europe and Asia, but also Africa, Madagascar, Central America, portions of South America. And one article suggested that they were first um, cultivated into garden plants around 4,000 years ago in Egypt. <laughs> wow. But not uh, Chicago. Nope. So uh, not native nope. to, Get them out. <laughs> to Chicago. Uh, speaking of Chicago and gardening, uh, we're uh, coming to the end of uh, the season here. And, uh, oh, you've got the sign. It's still wrapped up in bubble, though. Oh, I don't even know. It, it, we don't have a monitor, so I can't even see what I'm holding up. But uh, right, am I close there, uh, Andrew? Okay. The Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. And if you want an award, you're getting one of these fantastic signs for your backyard. And uh, there we that's go. Now solid. Can, yep. It's the, drop it down just a little bit. All right. Solid, you baby. You can put this in your yard. It'll stay there in all kinds of weather all winter and, then uh, they and can for years. put new signs further uh, down. Right, further down as you uh, win these awards over the years. Uh, we're giving out 68 of these signs on Saturday uh, at the award ceremony at the Austin uh, Town Hall, Park, Auditorium uh, in the Austin neighborhood. And we expect to have maybe even a couple of hundred people there uh, yeah. to uh, to take part in the ceremony. We're frantically putting uh, the ceremony together. And, we, you know, we got all kinds of goodies to give folks. Um, and we hope that if you didn't enter this year, you enter next year. And mm-hmm. if you entered this year and you didn't get an award that you... You do it again. You enter next you, year. You just get, it just, you know, gardening gets better and better as you go along. So we just wanted to give a plug for that. You can go to Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards on Facebook. Uh, please like us if you go there. Um, or you can go to uh, chicagogardeningawards.org and find the information. And uh, it will be all up there once we do the award ceremony next Saturday. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to take a big nap. And hopefully Sunday we will have some of the winners on the show. Ah, uh, That's true. Yes, why not? So a couple of things I want to talk about, and this was something that uh, I have to thank Kathleen for posting this because I had no idea, and a lot of people apparently had no idea, and some people did. Uh, now, the post, uh, the original post, is that, uh, the story is from mm-hmm. 2018, but it's uh, October of 2018, 
but it's it, it's universal and timeless. And it's about the webs that people put up for Halloween. You know those goofy webs that you put in your trees and on your fence and around your house. And I would think especially around the trees. Um, yeah, people have it on their lawn. I've seen a lot of front yards where it's over the shrubs. Right, and and their goal is to get as many of those things out, or as much of it as possible, cover all the square feet they can. This is Halloween webbing. Halloween webbing. Yeah. And what happens is birds get caught in it, and critters get caught in it. And there's uh, if you go to the Mike Novak show on Facebook, you'll have to scroll down a little bit because we got a lot of stuff up there. But it was posted just yesterday. Um, it uh, it links to this story that was in um, Mother... No, uh, what's MN? Uh, Mother Nature Network. Uh, about these and uh, webs and how birds and critters get caught in them, uh, and an owl and other critters, and it's just terrifying. Uh, and so what I'm going to tell folks is uh, back off. You don't need that stuff. Uh, you know, hang your skeleton, mm-hmm. put out your pumpkin. I know everybody wants the webs, um, but now we're finding out that they do damage. They're dangerous to certain critters. Leave the real spider webs in place. Sure. Yeah, really. Probably while they're doing that, they're wiping out uh, the spider webs uh, that are already there. So I, I had no idea about that. And so I just want to call that to people's attention. In fact, Ellie, could you tweet uh, uh, that out as uh, the fake fi- uh, spider webs that people put up for the for uh, Halloween to really think about not using them? because of the damage they cause and the harm they cause to these creatures. So we'll get Ellie to post that. And maybe we uh, will certainly uh, post it on uh, Twitter and maybe Mm -hmm. on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Another thing that got posted, and again, Kathleen did it this morning. She must have been, while she's listening to the uh, show, is a post about birds. Uh, and it is ornithologists, bird watchers uncover staggering magnitude of bird population decline. Now, we've been going through that uh, for a while and talking about that. And this is out of the Cornell Sun. Yeah. And, and I don't, do you know where the Cornell Sun is from? Uh, Cornell Lab of Ornithology. So it must be Cornell University. And they. Uh, it led an international team of 12 scientists in an analysis of decades of data on bird population and the conclusions disturbing in the last 50 years, one in four birds in North America has disappeared. Now, some people are saying one in three birds. I mean, this is, I think, related to the study that came out mm-hmm. several weeks ago, but eastern forest birds down 17%, arctic tundra birds down 23%, western forest birds down 29%, boreal forest birds Minus 33, shorebirds, minus 37, grass, grassland birds, most of all. That's amazing. Yep. 53%, wow. more than half. That's so sad. Some populations have gone up, and the science still needs to be worked on uh, on this. But as we mentioned before, plant plants that birds like. Okay, speaking of plants, native plants, and city tickets. We got that next. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Chicagoland, when you want the best science-based tree care in the area, go to Bartlett Tree Experts. With locations in Barrington, Naperville, downtown Chicago, and Northbrook, Bartlett has 80 tree care professionals ready to do what's right for your tree and you. They also partner with great organizations like the Morton Arboretum. 
Whether it's your home or your business, a large job or a small one, every tree needs a champion. Call for a free estimate. Go to Bartlett.com. DNR Services Unlimited has been serving the north and northwest suburbs since 1992. They can take care of those little problems that never get done. They perform complete bathroom, basement, and kitchen remodels. And if you're looking for a complete home makeover, they can handle that too. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. That's RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Soil and plant health don't stop at harvest. Now is the critical time to set up for next season. And the products to use are from Tinyo Biologicals. Whether you're working 500 square feet in your backyard or a 1,000-acre farm, the soil needs are the same. Feed those plants with spectrum and Nutri-Need to get your soil ready for spring. Go to blazing-star.com. The soil can make compost from field debris, so use Biodigester as well. Tinyo products from Blazing Star. Go to blazing-star.com. You're bad luck, you're rotten luck, you're no luck at all. Mm. First time that I ever heard my father scream in pain was as he watched in 69 you lead go down the drain. All the prayers, all the prayers, all the care, all the care, all the sacrifice in your Yes, this is uh, for all you Cubs fans out there. This is my buddy Dan Cooney, um, and uh, he he wrote this song many years ago, and it's funny how it keeps coming around and it becomes more relevant as the years go by. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. That's enough of uh, the pain of uh, sports in yeah. Chicago. We will let that... Done with that. <laughs> We're moving on. Hey, baseball season's over. So everybody gets to uh, to tend their gardens in the fall. And speaking of that, we have Pete Chosnicka in the studio. Pete, good morning. Welcome. Good morning. How are you? Good Polish name. Thank you. Uh, Siznicka is sometimes how folks pronounce it. That's correct. I'm determined to get it right even though my my polish is wanting uh but uh, uh pete uh, pete's story i found out about pete's story from a woman named kathy cummings uh who was on my show back in 2012 and 2013 back when i was at progresso radio down the dial and um she was uh, a person who had had a garden in chicago that in 2004 under the daily regime uh, had been uh, awarded in when they had the mayor's landscape awards. Uh, those disappeared under Rahm Emanuel, and that's why we have Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards, which are the awards that my show and Peggy's magazine and other groups have put together for the last three years. But I digress. Anyway, uh, Kathy won an award in 2004 for best use of natives in her garden. Then in 20, I think it was 11, it might have been 2012, I believe it was 2012, she got a ticket from the city of Chicago for about 600 bucks for the very same garden. So we change mayors, we change focus, apparently. At that time, a number of people received tickets in the city of Chicago for having 
native plants in their yard uh, because the city would come by and the inspectors would look at them and say, well, they're more than 10 inches tall. Uh, and the ordinance uh, says that you cannot have plants that average more than 10 inches tall in your yard. They really don't care what they are. And it was interesting at the time because a number of those people were basically movers and shakers in the environmental realm. People like Ken Dunn and Nancy Clem got tickets, and, mm-hmm. and you know those names uh, if you work uh, in uh, the, the environmental industry in and around Chicago and other people. And it almost seemed like the, they were being targeted. I kind of doubt it. I think they're just probably people who like to grow those kinds of plants, and they got slapped with these huge fines. And then it sort of died down. It kind of went away. I followed it for a while, and I know that there were some court cases involving this and that it was moving forward. Uh, and then a few weeks ago, I got a letter from Kathy Cummings, who had been on my show at the time when she got fined, uh, and we talked about this. Uh, and she said, yeah, there's uh, there's another couple now who just got hit with a fine, and that's Pete and Noreen Sisnicka uh, uh, on the northwest side of Chicago. And so I thought, oh, here we go again. Here we go again. So I thought, you know, I got to get a hold of Pete and talk to him, see if he'll come on the show. And graciously, uh, you agreed to be here, and I appreciate that, Pete. So uh, you want to kind of just give me the background on this? Tell me the story. Well, sure. In in 2009, I worked as an engineer and designed five miles of bioswales on the tollway. 2011, uh, we were kind of, uh, my small firm was kind of engaged with the Department of Environment and Center for Green Technology. The, and they, the, the late, great Department of the Environment and the late, late great. great Center for Green Technology. Yes. And they had a plant sale. And under the... Uh, sustainable backyard program, which was part of the city's stormwater uh, plan. The sustainable backyard program was not only about backyards, but about front yards and about mm-hmm. the parkway. Sure. And we bought our plants from the city of Chicago in 2011. Planted them 2011, 12, 13, 14, all the way up to 2019. There's no problem. And uh, this year in early September, we got a $600 ticket from the Department of Streets and Sanitation for a weeds. Which had actually been inspected in June? June 22nd. Yeah, you get the ticket in September. Yeah, you, yes. yeah, you got the, 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 the inspector came on the 22nd of June, and you got the uh, uh, notification on the 4th of September. Yes. All right. And you showed me the PDF from the city of Chicago uh, from... Back in the day, from the late great Department of the Environment mm-hmm. in the city of Chicago, and it, it it advised people to put these kinds of plants in their yard because of what we talked about in the first hour of this show, which is how do you help pollinators? How do you help birds? How do you help other living things on the planet? And, and how do you manage water on your property? Mm-hmm. Right. And you were doing all of the above because I, I visited your property the other day, and you even have a swale Yes. Um, which is in the parkway, which is an interesting place to put a swale. I understand why, because you're drawing water away from the house. Let's get it as far from the house as possible yeah. and try to conserve it before it goes into the street. And I know that when the city has put in utilities, there's tons of stone backfill that's in the street. You know, And if the water can get down in there, it'll get it to the stone backfill, and it'll make its way through the stone backfill also. I live between 
Milwaukee Avenue and Elston Avenue. Those are two old Indian trails. The reason they're Indian trails is because they were old shores of an ancient Lake Michigan. And so I would have expected that I'd get infiltration without doing any kind of soil tests. And as a matter of fact, in 2016, the city of Chicago built infiltration uh, planting traps as curb extensions on Milwaukee Avenue, two blocks away from my house. And so they know that there's infiltration that will happen in those soils, and that's exactly what happens. Uh, Early on, maybe about 2013, I decided to wait to test and see what was going to happen. Let the hose run into the swale, which is a, a small depression. It took five hours for the water to overflow from the hose, how, how 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 high was the hose on there? I mean, it would uh... full on. It was full on. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. And so the water would all would all soak in, and then when it got too waterlogged, then it came up five hours later and overtopped the curb and ran down into the into the thing. Eighty mm-hmm. percent of the storms, you know, are we're trying to take care of the first flush of water, right? Mm-hmm. The first flush of water is the dirtiest flush. So if you can trap that, then. Uh, it's better for the sewer, uh, sewer system uh, eventually because there's less stuff to take out. You've trapped that on your property, and then the and, uh, biologicals and the fungals will break that down. Well, and the other thing that happens is is when it goes into the street, it's picking up all of the oils, all of the chemicals that have been dropped there, whether they're from somebody's lawn or something else, and they're mm-hmm. all being mixed together into this stew toxic stew that goes into our sewer system yes. um, and you can you prevent it because you're like the last stand it's the last buffer before we get to the street which is why it's kind of interesting to have a swale there in the parkway mm-hmm. and so that was the whole plan we used to have an ash tree that got cut down last year and what's happened this year is we've had um, uh, a lot more sunlight Mm-hmm. This year, our neighbor to the to the north also had their ash tree cut down. It just got stumped out yesterday, and but so now I've got a lot more sunlight. And so whatever happened in the parkway is it was just went it went grew a lot more. The than plants it ever it had was before right. it was happy in full sun. Yeah. Well, the plants went nuts because you've got a swale there, so they got plenty of water, and now they got plenty of sunlight. In fact, you even had uh, Lobelia cardinalis, which yes. is cardinal flower. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a plant that I've had limited success with, usually because I can't get enough moisture in the soil to keep it. It really likes moisture, um, and and it wants sun at the same time. That's a tough; those are tough conditions for uh, homeowners. So the cardinal flower was on the edge of that depression in the parkway, mm-hmm. and that's where it would grow. I didn't have a great deal. There were three plants. There's three plants that were there. There's three plants there now. I had much more success with the turtle heads that were on the <laughs> other corner of the uh-huh. depression in the parkway. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you, you put this garden together and then suddenly this year you, you get a citation. And I, I thought that we were past that. It seemed like we were, we were moving on and haven't heard a lot about it. But there's a little, there's a, there's a little history here too, right? Yes, there is. So when we got the citation, we started to do a lot more. In fact, you FOIA'd the city. You said to Freedom of Information Act request to the yes. city. So what we found in 2013 or 2014 was a copy of Alderman Poir's newsletter 
or reference to Alderman Powar's newsletter where he said, oh, there have been these problems with native gardens around the city, not in my 47th ward, but around the city. And so and so you're not in the 47th. Ward. No, I'm in the 45th. Right. And mm-hmm. that was Alderman Arena. And now it's Alderman Martin. Jefferson Park, basically. Yeah, yes. I was in Jefferson Park. Alderman Arena was my alderman and he was defeated in this last mm-hmm. election. Okay. And Alderman Martin is now in the 47th ward. Um, but he said, well, the, the Department of Streets and Sanitation, who's responsible for issuing these uh, citations, have agreed to have – they have a new policy about Native Gardens. They've agreed to train their inspectors. Uh, they have a training materials. So I FOIA'd all of that information mm-hmm. two days after I hand-delivered a copy to the Department of Streets and Sanitation at City Hall. And what I got back uh, was – Another copy of the citation. They weren't responsive at all to the request for training materials, the inspector's name, whether the inspector had been trained or not to recognize native flowers, and if he had made any effort at all to contact us personally instead of just waiting a few months and sending a notice. Well, you know, that's the way the FOIA process works, whether it's the city of Chicago or the United States of America, is you you have to be you have to be a pit bull in terms of doing that so when they don't respond when they're non-responsive you have to send again and then when they're non-responsive again you have to send again and i i have a friend in the media uh, right now who has been sending foias to the city about a couple of environmental issues and has been really frustrated at the lack of response, but this is what they do. They drag their feet because transparency is not a big deal with the city of Chicago or, you know, and I don't want to just point fingers at the city of Chicago, although this is what we're talking about here, uh, but other governmental agencies, they they don't want the light to shine in there because it's often to their detriment. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I was looking at the response you got from your FOIA and they have the signature that the you ins- can't read. That you can't read of the inspector. Right. Uh, they don't. And they don't have the the newsletter from Pawar. Uh, they probably figure that that's internal aldermanic business, and um, you know maybe you you could go to the forty seventh ward and see if it's probably yeah. there's probably copies of it around. But I'm interested in that because I hadn't heard that. So uh, Alderman uh, Pawar basically said uh, he doesn't have the power to enforce this in other wards, but. His message was, you should plant natives, and you're probably going to be okay. I mean, is yes, that, was that, that was, the message? that's how I read the newsletter. And, you know, we were doing that after the fact. that We planted in 2011, and in 2019, after the citation, we found the, this old newsletter where he had asserted that there are uh, DSS, uh, Department of Streets and Sanitation, policies about native gardens and not to give – so people didn't get – uh, citations incorrectly. You have a native garden. It's the plants are right over there, you know. And you're always going to have weeding to do, and you're always going to have. I mean, we live a thousand feet from the forest preserve. I've got animals that wander down. Mm-hmm. There's possum and raccoons and skunk. We even had a coyote in our backyard at one point in time. Of course, and there are birds that uh, eat berries of plants in the forest preserve and drop them all yeah. over your neighborhood and and things come up oh, yeah. uh, so that happens as well but mainly there are the plants that you were told in 2011 by the city of chicago were the kinds of plants you wanted to put in to help wildlife 
yeah. in Chicago. Off yeah. the city official plant list. Uh, yes, right. It was, there was a, yeah, there was a plant list attached to this brochure that I forwarded on to Mike a couple of weeks ago. Here's the problem, of course. Now, you got cited. You had an administrative hearing uh, last week, right? Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Okay. Uh, how did that, you, you, you've obtained a lawyer, uh, which is, you know, and this is another way that people get defeated because unless the lawyer is doing it pro bono, it costs money. Uh, it takes your time. You've got to go down there. You've got to prepare, got all this stuff to do. And then you have to stand in front of an administrative judge who might understand the situation and might not understand the situation. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. And the administrative judge uh, took a minute to listen to our attorney, sent us back to go talk to the city attorney in the back room. The city attorney says, oh, look at this picture from June 22nd. Those are weeds to me. How can she tell that there are weeds from a black and white picture from That was the other thing. This, this, yeah, yeah, the photos, that was they, the they weirdest thing. Are black and white. It's like they're they're still stuck in the 1950s, and they're sending faxes. Actually, faxes is like 1970s <laughs> technology. And one uh, of them had a finger in front of it. And there too. was a finger in front of it. Yeah, I like that. That was my favorite one too. Uh, and you can't tell. Everything looks the same. You can't see any color. You can't see any foliage different or very little foliage uh, differentiation. Uh, and yeah, if I looked at that, I'd go, "Yeah, those are weeds." How would I know? How would you know? Exactly. Unless so, somebody who was trained came by and could make an, uh, an evaluation of what is there. So the attorney looks at that and said, yep, those are weeds. So what happened next? Uh, my attorney asked for, we asked, we were offered the uh, possibility to go before the judge that day or the hearing officer that day to pay the fine that day or to ask for a continuance. And since my attorney had only been involved for approximately 10 days, uh, we chose the continuance, and we uh, have uh, had a pest control fella come by, who's looked at the. There's no rodents that they asserted in the in the complaint. Right, they say they're yeah. rodents, but I I don't see any photos of rodents. So how do we know they're there? That's correct, and there were no holes for rodents or anything. No, uh, we have people from Red Stem coming over on the 17th to evaluate the plants and uh, maybe provide a little more structure for the garden. Okay, we'll, we'll get back to this story. Uh, uh, Pete Chesnicka, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Did you know a typical carrot travels 1,838 miles to reach your dinner table? That's not a sustainable distance, and it's a great reason to consider eating more locally. In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Reducing your food miles is one way to lower your carbon footprint and eat more sustainably, which is healthier for the planet and probably for you too. So go to your local farmer's market and get to know your farmers. Consider joining a CSA, Community Supported Agriculture, and get fruits and vegetables fresh from the farm directly. It's also a great way to stimulate local economy. Find a farmer's market or CSA near you by going to localharvest.org. I'm Green Diva Meg. Find more useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. If you love to landscape with trees and you haven't been to Rich's Fox Willow Pines in Woodstock, 
You've missed out on their collection of unique conifers and rare deciduous trees. Unfortunately, after 31 years in business, they're closing their doors at the end of 2019. So now is the time to take advantage of 40% off for container trees and 30% off in-ground trees. There's a good supply of pines, spruces, firs, hemlocks, junipers, yews, and the deciduous larches, bald cypresses, and dawn redwoods. Many of the cultivars are dwarf in form or have unusual shapes, such as weeping, mounding, or angular. These are not your grandfather's conifers. Stop by, select, and tag your trees now for fall digging. By the way, the sale of all their garden art goes to Mano Omano International Partners to build schools and clinics in Bolivia. Go to richesfoxwillowpines.com for more information. Follow them on Facebook and sign up for the e-newsletter. That's richesfoxwillowpines.com. I know this one. And we used to get uh, zapped yeah. by uh, Mark Zuckerberg yeah. by playing this one. All right, well, he's got his finger right at the button yeah, right now. Because, because that's right. That used to be our intro to the second yeah. hour. Okay, well, we'll just slowly fade it out so that uh, Facebook doesn't even know we just played it. What? Uh, nothing. I don't know. Where was the music? Anyway. So remember back last week when we told you how healthy soil makes for a healthy garden, yet many folks don't know what to do? And that Genui Zhu from Loyola University, who's also been on this show, was going to be at City Grange to teach the basics of soil composition, what NPK really means, and how it impacts your vegetable garden, Mm -hmm. what to expect from a soil test, and how to have your best garden ever. Well, that event is today, 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 today. Sunday, Sunday. At 2 p.m. And they're offering all of their soil products at 25% off for attendees of this class. And that's at City Grange, 5500 Northwestern Avenue in Chicago. CityGrange.com. Learn. Shop. Blossom. I'm telling you, folks, October or Oaktober, depending on who you're listening to, great time to work on your soil. So mm-hmm. head over to City Grange and uh, Jean Weiju knows his stuff. He's from Loyola. and uh, Get your soil tested. We got to get him back on. I, You know what? He owes me a water test. Because I said, he, they're also testing mm. water, and I said, I want to get my water tested, and I'm going to take it in to Loyola, and he said he would do that for us, so I'm, I'm really... Right, I'm making a note. Yeah, make a note. Let's let's get that done. Uh, welcome back to the show. We're talking to Pete Chesnicka, or Sisnicka, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, he's very, he's cool with it, either way, mm-hmm. all right? I'm it, used to it. Most of us uh, Poles uh, do get used to it. Uh, it's just, it's the way it is. And, and, you know, you've got one of those names that has more consonants uh than vowels or almost no vowels uh so he's the guy who planted natives in his yard one of the people who's done that and it seems like the city's gonna you know what they i think they think they can solve a a billion several billion dollar deficit by finding gardeners uh and i'm not sure that that's going to work for them well, you know, Kathy Cummings did look into that after her mm-hmm. uh, citation from the city back in 2011 or 2012. And there's, you know, a steadily, almost exponentially increasing amount of fines that the city collects because they make this administrative law hearing so difficult for everybody and don't want, you know, there's no time to listen. I think when we were in court, the uh, the uh, hearing officer said she had 280 calls that day. And so it's just, you know, a machine that has to go through there to get stuff done. 
Uh, and, and the problem is also the law. Let I want to get to that in a second because our friend Charlotte Edelman wrote to me last night as I was putting the blog together. The timing was actually perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, there's way too much to read, of course, but that's the way those things go. Um, but she has been following this law for a long time, and she's the author of several books about native plants, and we'll get to that in a second. But you were talking during the break. You started to talk, and we said, no, 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 save it for for on air here. Um uh, about what happened next at the administrative hearing. I guess so. At the administrative hearing, we had we're offered three challenges: pay the fine immediately, go take your chances before the hearing officer immediately, or seek a continuance. So we chose a continuance because my lawyer had only been uh, our lawyer, Jeff Smith, had only been involved for about ten days, right? And we didn't have any time to uh, develop, you know, affidavits or or testimonies from anybody else. Mm-hmm. So in that meantime, we've, we've got a report from a pest control person. We have uh, Red Stem uh, nursery people who are going to come out on the 17th and look at the native garden and right. tell us what Na- plants. Red Stem native landscaping, Monica... Um, uh, 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 Buckley. Buckley, thank you. Monica. I was going to go Monica Ang. No, that's WBEZ. Monica <laughs> Buckley, yes. And Monica got a shout-out in the previous hour I heard when I was out. Uh, oh, yeah. Monica's <laughs> all over the – well, you know, we're talking a lot about natives today and native vars. Uh, we didn't have any, actually mention that name, but that's a, a native plant that has uh, a variety uh, and there's an argument whether they're as good as natives in your garden and the jury's still out on that. But Regardless, let's get back to, to, to your story then. So so we chose this continuance, and we'll be back in court, administrative law court, on October 29th at 11 a.m., and we'll see what happens there. All we can do is present whatever evidence that we have, but as part of the evidence, I've been still looking into this, still fielding uh, email from Charlotte Edelman and from Kathy Cummings and other – my wife was at a, a Cook County Conservation for Home plant sale yesterday and you know she's like oh yeah i was the person on nbc5 with the with the story about that <laughs> and so and they said that well they're all following the story out there at conservation i hope Home. some of them are listening and watching today i hope so too uh because it it, it points out well, first of all, I want somebody to 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 FOIA the city to find out how much money they've taken in for these fines in the last couple of years the last I saw that was like 2013 or yeah. 2014. DNA so, Info had an article. With- uh, uh, it's time for us to find out just mm-hmm. how much money they're making right now. Uh, the other thing I got to say is, and I keep saying this on the show, uh, and until I see something different, I will keep saying this on the show. I'd like to know what the, the new mayor is doing. Where does the new mayor stand on things like this, on planning natives? Where's the Department of the Environment that was promised in her campaign? Uh, and I'm sorry to be a broken record about that, if anybody knows what a record is anymore. Uh, but this is the sort of stuff it's, you know, we got people in Washington talking about deep state. This is Chicago's deep state, the administrative part of the city that just rolls along like a, a juggernaut and 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 just goes out and finds people. And uh, But part of the problem in this case, and, and I think we got to be transparent about it as as well, Pete, is that. You have a history of involvement in the community. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, you're smiling yes. about it. I'm His not... name is known. It is. We did a little researching, Peggy and I, and found you on some blogs 
Some blogs that are really kind of icky, uh, but your name Some has... blogs we can't say on the air. I'm not going to say because I don't want to no, give... No, no, the pu- content. Oh, the, no. certainly the content. I don't want to give the blog names uh, uh, on the air because I don't want to give them publicity. Uh, but you're out there because you're an outspoken guy in the community. Uh, I have turned into that uh, during John Arena's administration. Why? It, uh, my first recollection is when John proposed to have a road diet on Milwaukee Avenue. Milwaukee Avenue is this hugely wide section up where I live. Two parking lanes, two bike lanes, four travel right. lanes, a mill lane. And a road diet was proposed, and a road diet would have been great. What, I know, what, I what does even that know. mean? What is a road diet? A I road no diet, we're going to take away, we're going to take away two of the travel lanes and then move the parking into where the outside travel lane was and then put parking-protected bike lanes next ah, to the curb. okay. We have the bike path that goes up to the Botanic Garden mm-hmm. that we can catch at Devon and Central in the Forest yeah. Preserve. Right. And that would make a nice path from the Jefferson Park Transit Center down at Lawrence and come up Milwaukee Avenue, go to Devon and Milwaukee, and catch the Forest Preserve bike path there. You know, it would be a great path and would bring business every place that road diets have been used. They increase business. Uh, and they increase the a number of small purchases. So that was the start. And then it was into the political campaign. But now, but the problem is you were in favor of that, right? Oh, I was. And yes. you took a lot of heat for it. Oh, I did. Yes. Of course, because I'm thinking about it. I didn't even know that there was a plan for a road diet. I don't live in that ward. However, I worked in that ward for six and a half years, as you know, I do. At, at Progresso Radio. And which, I lived in that ward And for a while. she lived in that ward. And we both have driven down Milwaukee in that area. And if you want to talk about overkill in terms of number of lanes, it's Milwaukee from basically Foster up to Devon. Yes. It's like you don't need all that. No. That concrete there. It's so people who are uh, because you, if you drive there, it's there, there's nobody on that road most of the time. You could easily do it with two lanes. <laughs> if you look at the numbers, Nagel, if you're familiar, mm-hmm. Nagel yeah. has more traffic on it or with dog, two lanes yeah. than Milwaukee does with four lanes. Yeah. And so if you have little traffic and lots of room, that just encourages people to speed. And that's why. I was in favor of the road diet. You provide but less people. You took heat from that. And then there was uh, Arena's idea to put low-income housing in the ward. Affordable housing is what we say. Okay. Affordable I, housing. I'm sorry. I don't have okay. the uh, – all right. All okay. right. I so it's affordable housing affordable. and mm-hmm. uh, safe, contemporary, accessible, affordable housing at 5150 affordable North Affordable housing Northwest for people Highway. who have low incomes, you know, and yes. I understand that. Um, and I also uh, – and veterans – you say yes. it would have housed yeah, veterans there was, as well. There was a priority for veterans. So uh, 15 maybe, I don't remember the exact number, apartments uh, units were resolved, uh, uh, reserved especially for veterans. And then if any veterans came and applied uh, and those apartments were filled, they moved to the top of the list to go into the, the new building. And so that new building is supposed to start construction in a couple of months. All right. So you were in favor of a couple of those controversial items you, the old uh, alderman goes out, the new alderman comes in, and lo and behold, you get a ticket. You, and Do you think that is, it's, those things are connected? You know, they could be connected. I don't know that they are. That's one of the reasons I would like to get the name of the streets and sanitation inspector who came and gave me that citation. I mean, the idea of this ticket is a retribution uh, from the city, from a government official um, 
and you you probably couldn't prove it, but it's 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 a little suspicious. And we've had other suspicious things happen with business owners in the ward. Uh, we had a, a street fest recently down by the Six Corners area. Mm-hmm. The street fest blocked off intentionally a uh, local bar and tavern restaurant business that was on the closed street. It took the city department of transportation public way inspector to come by and said, move that fence before that guy got access to the street like everybody else had. And a week later he gets a health inspection. Imagine that. Imagine that. All right. We've only got a minute and a half left. So I want to go to this thing that uh, Charlotte Edelman wrote to us. Um, and uh, as I said, she has co-authored the Midwestern Native Garden, Midwestern Native Shrubs and Trees. She's been on the show a number of times, and she's a lawyer. <laughs> and she wrote about the ordinance, This sloppily drafted, inarticulate, confusing, and misleading ordinance should be repealed. Several decisions have, uh, have upheld the law. As she writes, and if you're going to read about this, go to my website, MikeNovak.net. I've got the links. I've got the information that she writes about it. And she says, uh, as is evident from the definition of weed, the ordinance makes no reference to and no distinction between native plants and non-native plants. The following could occur. A person can own or control a large property that is entirely 100% covered with non-native invasive plants. Um that do not on average exceed 10 inches in height and they would not violate the Chicago weed ordinance. The following could also occur. A person's property could contain one plant and only one plant and if the judge determines it is 11 inches tall, it could get a ticket. This is how unfair this... So we need to follow this, change the the law. Pete Sznicka, thank you so so much for being on. Thank you. Soil and plant health don't stop at harvest. Now is the critical time to set up for next season. And the products to use are from Tinyo Biologicals. Whether you're working 500 square feet in your backyard or a 1,000-acre farm, the soil needs are the same. Feed those plants with spectrum and NutraNeed to get your soil ready for spring. The soil can make compost from field debris, so use Biodigester as well. Tinyo products from Blazing Star. Go to blazing-star.com. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. We're also at TheGreenDivas.com and on the Gab Radio Network. Podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. Sign up for posts in our newsletter on the homepage and support the sponsors who support us. Look for their logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-423. 
800-242-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help within 24 hours. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Call 800-296-1554. And you know what I like about our meteorologist, Rick DeMaio, is that he is, uh, we, we, first of all, I like it when he's off hold and he can actually be on the show. There we there go. There he is. And uh, Rick, uh, good morning. Yeah, good morning. It's all those big bucks you pay me that makes me get there on time. <laughs> I, know, I know. You know, someday, someday, Rick. I'm gonna win the lotto. <laughs> I'm gonna win the lotto, and uh, you're gonna cash in, pal. I'll add, I'll add that to my will. Ah, <laughs> uh, me. Uh, so I I looked at my rain gauge not yesterday. Well, yes, yesterday yeah. before the the before last night's rains. The, no, no, yesterday afternoons. It start. I saw it coming in on the radar. I was working on the show in the middle of the afternoon, and it started getting dark outside. I said, "I'm going to look at the radar," and I went, "Whoa, okay, we're going to get some rain here." Uh, so I went out yeah. to the I went out to the yard to empty the rain gauge, which had I basically hadn't looked at in a week. And oh my god, <laughs> yeah, and it had it was showing like two and a half inches, right? It, it was t- it was over five. It, it topped out. Okay, the top of the rain gauge. Um, it, oh, so you hadn't looked at it even since earlier in the week, then? Okay. I yeah, I, th- wow. I think it had been probably a week since I looked at it. Uh, so five inches in a week wow. is, is a lot of rain. Mm-hmm. And I ha- and I did not look at it this morning uh, when I was on my way here. So I have no idea what we got yesterday and last night. Uh, you are Mike, what we call a bad weather observer. Thank you. Pigs, Not only pigs, pigs send updates like sometimes three times a day. Uh, well, right? see, not only do I not pay the meteorologist, but I'm a bad weather observer. Okay. Oh dear. Although oh, I did not check my rain gauge this morning. I tipped out about an inch and a half before the rain. Yeah, yeah. You got a little bit less than what Mike got early in the week, Peg. Um, uh, but, yeah, it was kind of interesting. There was that one little band that came through. I think it was Wednesday night into Thursday. Or yes. Tuesday night into Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, it was Wednesday night. It was Wednesday yeah. night. And um, what was amazing about it was how quickly uh, the area roadways flooded, particularly Lakeshore Drive. Um, all the underpasses flooded because we have had so much rainfall um, in the last month. And it was really interesting because even the rain that fell to the north of us in Wisconsin uh, last weekend, uh, pushed a lot of the rivers over their banks. I was out in Desplaines last night, and they're flooding again along the Desplaines River. Um, and it's like we've we've now kind of made the month of September um, kind of like the month of June around here. Not only does it get warm and humid, uh, but we get flooding rains. And this is not good for the Illinois farmers because I was just looking at the recent uh, farm report that was the one released earlier this week on Monday. Uh, corn harvested um, typically this time of the year is about forty-five uh, percent. So far, four percent to the state wow. of Illinois. That's it. Wow. Yeah, that that's a big wow. That's yeah, crazy. Only four uh, percent. And granted, even though the rain that we had um, on 
Wednesday night was kind of north of where most of the area's farmers have their crops, or I say most of the, most of the crops are. Uh, the stuff that happened yesterday was pretty much an, another solid half inch to an inch, particularly in areas to the south and west. Uh, the bad news is that we can get a freeze around here next week, and the good news is that we don't expect any rain, and we expect, expect significant drying uh, and mild temperatures over the next five days. So hopefully, hopefully that'll, that'll be some good news for the farmers because they're looking at a really, really rough road ahead. Yeah, I don't like. I heard that freeze, but that's, for, that's crazy talk. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but first, I wanted to go back uh, the other night. Yeah. I I was going to bed late, and the rain started, and I heard it coming down, and I'm. It was one of those rains where I can't fall asleep because I'm thinking, do I need to be checking my basement? Is this uh is this a a, mm-hmm. a, a basement mm-hmm. flood rain? Because it was really really coming down, and uh, fortunately. Oh, yeah. And so that was the first thing I did in the morning. I said, okay, let's go see the damage. Fortunately, I did not have flooding in the basement. Yeah, and it was one of those things where I think everybody is now um, kind of on edge because we've had so much rain recently. It doesn't take much uh, for the gauges to kind of fill up very, very quickly. So here's the thing about what Mm -hmm. the farmers are having to deal with. Last year, obviously, was the tariff. This Mm -hmm. year, it's the tariffs again. Yeah. Um, then we had yeah we had the incredibly wet spring and now the incredibly wet fall and then on top of that you're pushing into that period of time where the farmers know that you typically get freezes this time of year it's not like when you hear the word freeze you go oh my god it's going to get that cold already the median date of the first fall freeze when you get into western sections of DuPage County into Kane County and and Kendall is basically October the 10th. So this is not anything abnormal. I think what what is abnormal is the fact that you have temperatures in the mid-80s, and then you have overnight lows of 70 degrees. That is abnormal. And oddly enough, it's not so much the afternoon highs, but when you have really, really humid weather during the overnight period, that does not allow the crops to actually dry out. What the farmers want is some nice, normal, late September, early October weather. And guys, I don't know how farmers deal with this. Year in and year out, they have to deal with more and more of these anxiety-ridden issues that are literally dealt or, or given or presented to them from a standpoint of a more variable climate. And on top of that, you throw in bad trade deals, and it, it's tough to be a farmer. I think I just saw... Um, NBC News this morning, the number of small farmers, um, or the small farms, if you want to call it that, in other words, less than 2,000 acres, Uh is literally down 27% um, in the last 10 years. And and that's not good, because that means that people who are going into that business, whether or not they're they're kind of using or kind of like, um, you know, keeping what the family farm had there, you know, years ago, previous generations, they're either basically calling it uh, a day or giving it up to other large consortiums. So, when you look at it for the and small, small organic farmers too. Well, and and a lot we lose a lot of what they call specialty crops, which are the actual things that are on your plate. They're not the commodities, which are corn and soybeans. So, when you lose a lot of those smaller farms, that's what you're losing. Yeah, it, it's interesting because. Um, another half hour, I'm heading up, making my weekly trip up to uh, southern areas of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's this um, mushroom farm. Uh, I think it's called River River Valley. It's yeah, right River on Valley on 50. 50. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. River Valley it's, Ranch. Much where, yeah, it's a, it's a great place to... I'm going to make sure I go in there and I ask them, what has been the status of your crop over the last, you know, two, two, two growing seasons, and particularly this year because it had so much rain uh, during the growing season, during the harvest season, so... I'll make sure I report back to you guys on that because I, I like to hear it. I like to hear it from the farmers themselves. Yeah, well, especially that area of Wisconsin where they've gotten so much rain. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get us a forecast for the week here, and uh, don't use the word freeze, okay? Please. Please. <laughs> it's, it's normal. You shouldn't be afraid of this. No, um, it's not. So we have the rain. Yeah, we, <laughs> we had the rain come through last night. Beautiful out there right now. Mm-hmm. Real strong gusty winds out of the west at thirty. Uh, clouds later on this afternoon, but then back to sunshine both tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Highs each day, uh, mid-60s to near 70, which is about 5 degrees above normal. And then much colder next week, and we could see our first temperatures below 32 degrees in Saturday and Sunday. All right, and as Rick says, that's normal. I okay. still have too many green tomatoes. Uh, me too. All right, Rick, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. All right. I want to thank everybody in the studio today. Christine Nye, Ken Williams, Anna Maria Leon, Pam Carlson, and, of course, Pete Sisnicki. And I want to tell you, you got a new show coming up on CGO, Gabby Radio with Hannah, Fred, and Justin. The first time, we'll find out. They're next. Until next time, go green or go home. Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.